Father God, we come to you uh, this morning together um, in the presence of one another and you, our Lord, seeking to, to grow and to be sanctified by truth, which is your word. God, I pray that, that in this time as we enter into this Advent season, God, and, and as we reflect on this psalm this morning, God, that we would remember the true reason for the season. God, as cliche as it can sound, as, as numb as we may be to that phrase, God, I pray that it would not become stale, that we would indeed remember. As the world pushes many things on us, as it, as it pushes ways that we ought to, to, to celebrate Christmas and, and tell us how we ought to, to train and raise our kids during the season, the things we ought to tell them, the things we shouldn't tell them. God, I pray that we would remember that in the coming of Christ, salvation was revealed. That in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, they longed and looked for the coming of the Messiah. And this morning we reflect on the coming of our Messiah. God, we long, we long for the second coming of our Lord. We await that day. But until that day, God, we have a job to do. And as you have revealed salvation to us, I pray that we would carry salvation to others. God, lead us in this time as we seek to grow together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got to mention, uh, I listened this time to the audio because every time I come across that uh, liar, L-Y-R-E, I always want to say Lear because saying liar sounds bad, especially when it says sing praises to the Lord with the liar. Um, that doesn't sound like we're like, we're all liars. So in case you all are wondering, that's not a West Virginia thing. The guy on the Bible app says L-Y-R-E is liar. So in case you're wondering, that's what he says. So that's what we're going with. So sing praises to the Lord with the liar. The main point for us this morning is God has made and made known his salvation. Therefore, we will praise him. God has made and made known his salvation. Therefore, we will praise him. I loved how, how uh, Brother Nelson really hit it there. He says, God, we, we praise you because you're deserving. Like church, sometimes it's like we, we try and overcomplicate it, right? Like we'll, we'll praise because we're part of the church. We'll praise. No, God just deserves it. Like every person was created to glorify God. That's the reason we exist, even those who don't know him. So God just deserves our praise, right? And, and we need to reflect on it. We need to reflect on the things that he's done for us. But remember that God has made and made known his salvation, therefore we will praise him. Amen, church? All right, point number one, God has made salvation. God, sa salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation, God is the author of salvation. And when we understand that, we can better understand the, the psalmist here and, and think about how we reflect on God and his works and what he has done. And, and sometimes, uh, I, we, we talked about it last week, we, we try and think about things that God has done and reflecting on what God has done and how he showed us grace and mercy through the week. And we could do that. We could come up with a whole list through this week if we really sat down and paid attention to the, the hand of God in our life. But if we really want to make it simple, the easiest way is to look back as a believer at the moment God saved you because that was a marvelous work. And if he did nothing else in the rest of your life, he still deserves to be praised because of that. Amen? Amen. And, and we, we look for all these mighty signs, and believe me, God is at work. You can go back and read Esther. God's not mentioned one time in Esther, but guess who's at work in Esther? 
God. God is, is working his plan and his will out through his people. And if we just want to, to see the hand of God and see what God has done for us, look at salvation. God has made it. He's the author, right? We don't have to look for any other salvation. There is no other way. God has given us the way. God is the author. God has made salvation. Psalm 98, verse 1. All sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. So this psalm is most likely one that is dealing with some sort of military victory. As R.C. Sproul notes, he talks about how this is a, a very general um, uh, psalm and, and song to the Lord and praising him. And this probably has to do with some kind of military victory where, where Israel has been delivered from their enemy. But it is indeed prophetic in how we can read it today and understand it as our spiritual victory in Christ Jesus. This is very prophetic of, of, of Jesus and what happened because of Jesus' coming. So as we enter into the season, be thinking about that, that, that God has made salvation and, and we have victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But it is his work. Notice that the psalmist is, is saying, oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things. Like what marvelous things has God done? Look back at salvation. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The psalmist begins here with this, this quick reflection, right? So first off, sing a new song to the Lord, right? Let's, let's sing praises to God. Why? For he has done marvelous things. He is at work in our life. He is at work in creation. He's at work in unrepentant sinners' lives. God is actively at work in his creation. And that's good. That's good news. It's good that God is intervening. It's good that God is actively at work. We think it's chaos now. Imagine if God's presence was completely gone, Right? Like, the glory cannot be fully revealed in this sinful, fallen nature, but he is surely at work, even in the midst of all this. So if we think it's chaos now, what would it be like if he completely removed himself? But we don't have a God who's removed himself. So sing a new song for the, he, is, he has worked marvelous, he's done marvelous things. Mighty works would be another way to render that. Mighty works has God done. So the psalmist is reflecting on the works of the Lord. Now, I don't want to beat this point dead because we talked about it last week, but reflecting on the work of the Lord is such a helpful and beautiful and, and uh, practical practice for believers that, that we, we can sit and we can reflect in the morning on what God has done for us in the day past. In the evening, we can reflect on how terrible we were that day, right? Like, we, we, we joke about it a lot, but I know like for Christians, a lot of the times it's like behind like the wheel of the car and we're, we're frustrated. Someone cut us off or they're not going quick enough. They're not up to our speed. So we get mad and we get angry, but it's okay because God doesn't see that. But we reflect in the evening. And we're like, that wasn't Christ-like behavior, right? That I got mad for someone going 35 and a 35. Look, I'm one of those that goes 35 and a 35. And if you all get behind me, I'll set it to, to 33 and put it on cruise control rolling through Medina. I do that kind of thing. I'm that kind of petty. I don't get mad. I just get even, right? I'm just like, you want to go slow? Then we'll go slow, right? As long as I know that you can't pass me, we'll just set this on cruise control and ride all day. But the psalmist is reflecting on the goodness of God. Churches, it, I, I wonder, like when I read the psalms, like am I doing this enough? 
like, like David and his ups and his downs, the one thing that you knew about David was he's a, he was a man after God, right? That he loved the Lord. That when he was confronted with, by his sin, right? When he, was, when he was shown and exposed the sin of his life, he would fall to his knees. He would remember the work of the Lord. He would remember the steadfast love of God. Now, that's really difficult for us, right? Because God's love is unconditional, but our love for the Lord is not. Now, think about that. We're like, oh, no, 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 I, I love the Lord. No, we love because he first loved us, right? We were dead in our trespasses, and he came and intervened and gave us life. We love because he first loved us. So reflecting on his works is good. It's good to remember what God has done for you because that should draw you closer to him, right? When the world is, is caving in and it feels like everything is crumbling down on you, when it feels like your war is going to be lost, right, whatever battle it is that life is giving you, you can reflect and, and maybe that battle will be lost, right? Maybe, maybe you will lose your job. Maybe, maybe you will see some turmoil in your family, right? And there won't be any reconciliation in this life. And it's terrible, but when you remember the goodness of God and his steadfast love that the Bible says endures forever, it draws you closer to him. Remember the work of the Lord. And one of the work is salvation. Again, I'm going to beat this home. What is something he's done? Let me think in my life, trying to think in my life. What has God done for me? Well, if you're a believer, he's worked out your salvation. Now, Peter talks about working out your salvation, meaning that we are, we are being sanctified into the likeness of Christ. We're persevering through this life, if indeed we are truly believers, right? Not that you can fall out of grace, but that you will continue to abound in the grace that God has saved you by through obedience. But remember that this is a work of God, that God has worked out your salvation, that God has met you where you were, that God has saved you by his grace and for his purpose. One of the most uh, well-known Bible verses of all times, John 3.16, shows us that this work of salvation is of God and to God's people. It says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This was a work of God. I didn't give up my, my only son. My son wasn't perfect. My son wasn't God and man. My son didn't do these things. I didn't work out my will to save my people. God did that. This was a work of God. As the psalmist says, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. You read in the Old Testament and you see that, that Israel goes to fight the enemy, right? And they're losing. And then God does something to push them back, to wipe them out, and to deliver his people. And it's so true of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is, we are reflecting on in this season, the coming of Christ and what Christ came to do, that we have seen through Christ that, that God has, has worked out his salvation for his people. This is God's work. The Father gave his Son for his people. It's a work of God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by what, church? Grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. I love how th that, that Paul writes it there. It's, it's not... not 
gift. It's not some gift. It is the gift of God, right? That, that everything that, that we experience as believers is a result of that salvation, that gift from God, the gift from God, salvation, that, that God's grace has been bestowed upon you, that he has taken you, he's dragged you. The Bible paints this vivid picture of being dragged out of our sin. Also paints this picture that we are dead in our trespasses, dead and not doing anything, not working out our salvation, but being given this gift of life through Christ Jesus and faith in him by God's grace and being redeemed out of it, being delivered just as the Israelites were delivered from their enemy time and time again. And it shows us the deliverance that we have in Christ Jesus. But we have to first understand that the salvation is the work of God in your life. This is God's doing. The psalmist recognizes God's hand at work in their victory, just as we, church, should recognize God's hand in our victory. That we don't overcome things because of our power. One thing that we've been hammering home is, is Paul in, in Philippians 4.13. I've, I've, I've talked about it every week that I've preached um, in the Psalms this month. Is, is Paul is saying that he's learned to become content in any situation. When he's low, he'll praise God. He knows how to make much of it. When he's got a lot, he'll still praise God and make much of it. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When we understand that salvation is, is God's doing, when we understand that it is God's work in our life, it leads us to a place of praise. And I don't want to get into the, the third point, but it does. All of this is leading, right, that, that God has made salvation. That it's, God is the author of salvation. Paul isn't the author of salvation. Paul didn't come up with, oh, this is what Jesus did so we can make this into some kind of cool salvation where God's people are redeemed. No, it's God's doing. Therefore, we'll praise him. And God has also made known his salvation, point number two. God has made it, and he didn't just withhold it, right? There was a veil for a time in the Old Testament where they were, there was a mystery, and they were longing for the Messiah, and they were praising God. They were saved and justified just by faith, the same way that we are, but they were longing for the Messiah. They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know how everything or all the details would play out. They were given a lot of prophecy. They were given a lot of imagery. They were given a lot of language, things to look for, and signs when the Messiah would come. And then God made it known. God made known his salvation. I was watching this, this video, and it reminded me, like, like, we like to, like, talk about things, but then, like, hide it, right? Like, guys, you all should see this painting I painted. It was, like, phenomenal, right? You, you just have to see it. Show it to me, right? Ah, like, you just, it's cool. It's cool. You didn't have to see it. And you're like... If it's so cool, if it's that spectacular, like, show me. Surely you've got a picture. You've posted it on Facebook, right? Like, anything cool we do goes up on Facebook. It's like, no, it's a cool picture, Brother Mark. I know you don't think I'm a painter, but I'm just going to, like, withhold it, right? No, anything that good, right, should be revealed. And if you are wondering, I'm a terrible painter. I'm, I can't, like, draw a straight line. Uh, my handwriting's terrible on here, too. So all I can do is write in cursive. And that I can show you after service if you don't believe me. That's what I did in, in lockdown last year. I learned how to write in cursive again. But, but when there's something good in our life, when there's something worth sharing, we don't withhold it. I mean, the most, most 
tangible thing that I could share with you all is, is, is when you have a child, right? You don't withhold the cuteness of a baby, right? That's why you keep Monty in here. Yeah, woo! Yeah, look at the cuteness of, of baby Monty. Yeah, he's smiling. He's so cute. Nice little Lion King moment for you. You don't withhold the cuteness of a child, right? You share that. And, and we get to share in the joy of, of the baby and the joy that babies bring to us, right? And we get to share in the joy that, that Jesus brought to us, that God has made known his salvation, that it wasn't withheld. It wasn't something that we had to ponder on. It was no longer a mystery. Paul talks about this mystery being revealed. So we start Advent today, the celebration and reflection of the coming of Christ. This is such an important time as we reflect on the coming of our salvation, that Jesus wasn't just, just the, the, the homeboy that, that we paint him out to be now. This was the coming of the Savior of the world. As John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, the one who comes to take away the sin of the world. This was a big deal. This was not just some child. This was not just some man. This was God in the flesh coming to pay for the sins of his people. That's so good. And we have to reflect on that. Like, this isn't, like, optional, right? Like, we can do better or we can do worse at, like, our reflection of what, what God has done. But God has made known his salvation. We should remember it. We should reflect on it. We should celebrate it. We should praise him because of it. But he has made it known. It's not a hidden mystery. You see, it was in the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that salvation was fully revealed. Look in and, and Psalm uh, 98, verses 2 and 3. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So this is, again, a little bit of prophecy. Like one day we know that the, the ends of the earth will hear um, of the salvation. We don't know that everybody's heard. There's still tribes and tongues that haven't heard the gospel, that don't have the gospel or the Bible in their language. So we're going and we're faithfully sharing. But this and this victory, this military victory for them, everybody had seen the hand of God. They had seen the work of God and his people and delivering them to victory and we get to read about it in the Old Testament. There were times in the Old Testament where, where there were um, a, a big buildup and Israel could have been in a fight. And they backed off. Said, we want nothing to do with the God of Israel. And it was because time and time again, God had shown his hand. God had shown his salvation for his people that he delivers his people. And in Christ Jesus, we are delivered from the bondage of death. Amen? Are we following with this? That, that this isn't about our military victory. This is about our spiritual victory in Christ Jesus as we reflect on Christ coming, what Christ came to do, and that was to die and pay for the price of the sins of his people and to be raised in victory. And we too, by grace through faith, will be raised with him on the last day. God has made this salvation known. I want to turn to uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Paul writes this. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. 
And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul talks about this this mystery. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this Uh, Riches of the glory of this mystery. What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Church, we have a future hope that has been revealed and given to us in Christ Jesus. And he says this is what he, he proclaims. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. God has made known his salvation. We don't have to wonder, what is this? There was a mystery uh, of, of the Gentiles receiving salvation. But there was also this, this veil, right, of, of, of what was going to fully happen when, when Christ came. We knew that he was, you can read the Old Testament, you know and have everything that they had. You knew that the Messiah was coming to pay for the sins of his people. But now it's been revealed We know salvation has been made known. God didn't just make it. He made it indeed, but he revealed it. He showed it to us by his word. Church, this is why it's so important that we stick to the word of God. Because it shares and shows us the salvation of God. This is why I'll go go and, and fight on your behalf with other ministers in this town, to make sure that we are upholding the Word of God. Because it's in the Word of God that people are saved. We are shown salvation. I had a chat with with a, a minister in this town and said the, the word of God is, is not inerrant and it doesn't really matter. Like, what, what do you need? Like, what if someone just had these dreams? And it was like, the word comes through hearing and the hearing through the word of God. I don't get why we're getting away from the word of God when it says that we are saved through hearing and hearing through the word of God. What are we proclaiming when we go out? It's the word of God. It's salvation, which has been revealed to us. So church, just as salvation has been revealed to us, you being saved in Christ, if indeed you've repented of your sins and believed in the gospel, are now given the commission to go and to reveal salvation to the world. That is the calling that God has placed on your life, that you are to go and to make known his salvation, just as it has been made known to you. That is good news. That is a weight, right? That is, that is a big job. But when you realize this is what you are to share, you don't have to come up with some fancy presentation. You can throw clip art out the window, right? Clip art's like old anyways, still trying to tell Pastor Mark that, like, 
We don't use clip art anymore. Like, it's, it's so gone. You can just message Aubrey if you need a new graphic, right? Like, we can, we can do those kind of things for you. But your job is to share this. And church, that's, that's great for a hillbilly from West Virginia because I lack in speech, right? And that may be, I know some of you all are like, man, like, I don't know how you get up there and do it. I don't either. Like, sometimes I'm just scared, and I just, like, look at Kathy Knight, and I'm like, ah, oh, just warms me up and just makes me happy, and I can get through this, right? Church, it's the Word of God. This, this is what we've been given. This is how God has chosen to reveal His salvation. Why do we need the Word? Because God has chosen to use it and to reveal himself to us through it. I mean, that's good enough, isn't it? That God has chosen to use his word to reveal himself to us. And we are to go and to reveal him and his salvation to others. That is our job. And when I say that, I'm not saying to go and to reveal all sorts of deep um, and intellectual doctrines, right? No, I'm talking about the cross, I'm talking about the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Paul says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. Listen to this, church. You don't have to go out and find the pond, right? Baptism's important, but Paul talked about the gospel being of the utmost importance, leading people to Christ. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to, to have it all laid out. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just got to know the gospel. And if you've been saved, you should know the gospel. Did not come with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The issue when we go in and make it about us and about our presentation is that we are not making known the salvation of God. We are making known the salvation of man. Because when we do that, we are, we are leading people not to the power of the gospel, but into the pit of man. That all we are doing is digging, digging the hole deeper to hell for them. We're saying, hey, here's some, yeah, we should be obedient. We should do works. Make that pit a little bit deeper for you. The pit that you already can't get out of because you're dead inside of it. Get my shovel around you and get all this dirt out so that you can go further and further and further down. When the salvation that God has made known is the salvation by him, from him, and for him, for his people. He has made this known. He says, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of, cross, uh, of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Church, the, the rest of the word, until you know Jesus, it just doesn't make sense, right? Now, we can talk about sin. I think we should expose sin. I think we should tell people about the wrath of God. Because if you don't know the wrath of God, you won't understand the grace of God. Amen? Like, if you don't understand what, what the grace is saving you from, then the, the grace isn't sweet. It's not like candy where it's like, that is good, that is sweet, right? Or like a, a nice apple. Maybe you all aren't apple people, but sometimes you just get like a good apple, right? You could tell me about the apple all day, but let me taste it and know that it's good, right? And then I'll get to the core and understand that there's a wicked part of the apple, right? Like, I don't know why there's a core in an apple, right? We got a thing now at the house. We just cut it right out. It's awesome. But the word of God is folly to those who are perishing. But to us, it's the power of the gospel of God that is saving we are to reveal that. We are to make that known to all of creation. That is your job. 
you get to do that. You get to go and to tell people of the salvation of God, that we are saved by grace through faith. We are all sinners, me and you, but we all need Jesus. That's what we get to share. And church, that's what we get to point people to in this coming season, right? People are, are open, right? I, I think people are, are really open in the past year and a half, regardless of what media tells us. I think people are, are searching for hope. They, 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 they know that there's got to be something greater. There's a, a greater fear of death these days, even amongst believers, for whatever reason. But our hope is in Christ Jesus. We long for the day that he comes back, right? Paul, Paul wished that he could go on and be with him, but he says that that would be his gain, right? To live as Christ, to die is gain. So he knew that he needed to live while he's here. He's going to do what God has told him to do, make known his salvation. And it's because of his salvation that he's made it and made it known. Church, we will praise him. Point number three, we will praise God. And there's nothing wrong with reflecting on what he's done and praising him because of it, right? Like, as much as we'd probably love to have this unconditional love for God, he loved us first. Therefore, we love him. It's a response, and it is a correct response, church. When we, when we look to what Christ did, when we reflect in, uh, in our time of communion, when we approach the table, when we, when we gather together and remember the things that God has done, it is a proper response to praise him. As, as Nelson said, I, I, just, I can't hammer that home enough. We praise you just because you deserve it. You and you alone deserve it. Like, I, I have to like, convince my wife that there's reasons to praise me. God doesn't have to convince us of anything, right? We can look at his work, and it's done. Like, when I tell Aubrey, I'm like, you should, should be happy, right? I'm a good husband. I'm like, think about it. Think about it, Aubrey. Like, go back like a week ago. Like, two weeks ago, if you have to. I was, I was, I was down and under the weather for uh, a, a little bit. So, like, yeah, you got to give me a break. Give me, show me some grace. Like, but but I'm, I'm good, right? God deserves it. He and he alone deserves the praise. We can look at everything that he's done. And, and the call here is for us to praise him because of it. And not just us, but this personifies all of creation, even the earth, right? It gives, it gives the earth like clapping hands. Let the rivers clap their hands, right? I assume that's why like waves crash and it makes like a clapping sound. It's like they're trying to praise God, right? Verse four, make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's a, that's a loud noise. That's like a battle cry, right? You don't have to sound good. Just lift it up. Lift up the joyful noise of the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers Clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Jesus is coming back. You see, they, they longed for the coming of the Messiah so that salvation would be fully revealed, that they could see it in its fullness, that Christ paid the price for his people. We get to reflect on it, but church, Jesus is coming back. And it's not going to be this, this, this same first visit from Jesus. He is coming back to judge the earth. And it says that he will judge the world with righteousness, judge the peoples with equity. God's judgment is just. 
He is a righteous and a holy God. Like we are called to be like God. We're not called to, to get God to be like us. When he comes back, he is, he is judging according to his word. And all people who are found apart from him, resting their, their, their hope in anything other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, they will perish. They will be separated for all of eternity. But church, salvation has been made and made known by God to us. So we as believers rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ. And we go and we tell people of the judgment that is coming by pointing them to the finished work of the cross of Christ. And this season isn't just about the coming of Jesus. It's about what Jesus came to do. We cannot miss that, right? Like, like Christmas is pretty much like Easter, and Easter is like Christmas because everything ties in together because it is God's unfolding redemptive story for all of creation to hear. And it's good. It's good news, and he deserves praise because of it. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I want to end with this. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, may God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace and believing. You're good, brother. You can come up. I can see you. Me and you, we're not the, the tall ones, right? So I, I got it. Um, all joy and peace and believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Church, we have a hope in the future right? Like Jesus is coming back to judge the world. And that sounds like something that you don't want to hope in, but it is something you absolutely want to hope in that Jesus is coming back and will judge the world and righteousness according to his word. And that should light a fire under your butt to go and to tell people that they need to repent of their sins and believe in the gospel. There's, there's no room for the wishy-washiness, right? There's no room to play around with this message because guess what? This salvation is good. It sets people free. It sets them off of this journey that they have to go and find salvation somewhere else. They have to go and be good enough. Even the most unregenerate person in this world walking on this planet knows that we cannot obtain salvation on our own. It is God's doing. He's made it known for us and therefore deserves the praise. He deserves our repentance and he deserves our turning to him and repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. That's what God deserves. This is not a message to play with. And there's no reason to play with it. It is beautiful. Steve Fox uh, talks about in our, our Sunday evening group uh, pretty often. He, he reflects on Jesus' words in the garden just before going to lay his life down for his people. That Jesus says, if, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But guess what? The cup didn't pass. Why? Because there's no other way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. God made that his plan from before all of creation. This was God's plan. This wasn't something that God figured out as it went along. And he made it known. And church, we praise him. And one of the ways we praise him is by standing. Go ahead and stand. We're going to sing. But church, I want to commit together that this week we're going to go and put Jesus in the perspective. How? By going and telling people of this great news 
that God has made salvation. He made a way. There's only one way. He's made it known. And he has called us to also go and make it known. That is a way of praising. See, praising isn't just about lifting up our voice in songs, right? Part of our praise and worship is through the proclamation of God's word, through sitting under the teaching of whoever's preaching that morning and gathering around the word to glorify God. Another way is by going and sharing this good news. Church, people's ears are open, especially in this season. Do not let the moment pass. Go and tell and reveal the salvation to those who are apart from God so that they can be redeemed into the arms of the Father. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you've provided a way for us. I thank you so much just for this psalm and the reminder, God, that, that we have a faithful God, that you were faithful that you were coming to judge, but God, you have given a way. One way. God, you made that way. You made it known. And we're here to praise you. And I pray, God, that we would go, not just this week, not just in this season, but God, that we would, we would be uh, evangelists for our life. God, some of us maybe are more gifted. You've gifted some, some folks a little bit more in this area. But God, we've all been shown if indeed we're saved, right? If, if, if a person has repented of their sins and believed in you, God, they know of that joy. And I pray that this would be a season to share of that joy, to share of that salvation that met us where we are. And God, I pray that you would just draw that person that we share with this season. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. We thank you and praise you for your salvation. We thank you for the way. God, I pray that you would just receive this last song of worship from us as we lift up a joyful noise together, loud and out of tune and out of sync and out of pitch, whatever it might be. God, we are praising you. We lift up our battle cry, lift up all our praise and all of our being. God, I pray that you would be with those who are missing this morning. God, that you would just draw them to yourself through your word. And God, that you would sanctify us all as one body. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.